0: Hey, before we get to the bullshit, quick reminder: follow us on Instagram and listen to this. Why you shit? Follow us on Twitter and listen and shit. And if you have the time, go over to our Apple Podcast page and give us a rating and review. Whether you love the podcast or you hate the podcast, tell us why you hate or love it. Thanks for listening. Let's get to the bullshit. Right now. The only thing anybody cares about. The first taste of sports in so long. Shout out NFL Draft. The Michael Jordan documentary. It's back. Episodes three and four of Mary this Sunday. I cannot be more excited. cannot be more excited. Welcome back to another episode of the this is why you should podcast the home of potty miles the fast gone podcast and History of your podcast do not google that that is a fact though i'm your host dom sharp once again once again i'm here to talk about the michael jordan documentary the last dance it is not actually a michael jordan documentary we all know that it's more of a documentary about the ninth the the bulls the championship bulls that you know started from when, when michael got drafted to when it all ended um Right on top, if you listen to last week's episode when I reviewed the last week, uh one of my homeboys told me that I've, i I refer to Krause. I got his name wrong. I think I referred to him as Robert Krause. His name is Jerry Krause. So I'm dumb. Thanks for telling me, guys. <laughs> Thanks for telling me how stupid I was and stuff. Just let me be dumb. And apparently I called the Chicago Bulls the Chicago Bills. Which I don't think I did. I might have just, you know. I gotta got a, got a lisp, so I might have fucked up, but shout out to Kelly for telling me that. Kelly from the podcast and chill show. Shout out to them niggas. Um But yeah. For for those who don't know about this podcast, this is not a sports podcast. This is not a sports podcast. By any means necessary. This is more of a lifestyle podcast, but since we're all in quarantine and we're all home, and my two co-hosts Cam and uh, Rob cannot be here, so I've decided to just talk about things that I want to talk about in the time being, so I can still produce content content for you niggas. But um, like I said last time, this is first. I'm listening to to this actual like review of the of the um of the doc. I am I'm only 22 years old, so I wasn't alive during the Michael Jordan Bulls. I wasn't I wasn't present. Like, like the final championship season took place during my birth year. October 27, 1997, I was born. So, there, were like, there was like maybe four or five games into, like, the regular season of that year when I was born. It might have been game one. I don't know what day it started. But I was, I was, I was a baby. I was brand-new pre-cum that just popped out my mama's womb. So this week's episode, this week's, uh, this week's episodes were so far my favorites. I liked episode one last week. Episode one was cool, but I think these two are actually cool. So last week, we could say that we covered the stories of Michael Jordan, and we covered the story of Scottie Pippen. Uh, this week's, this week's two main characters, I should say. All uh, right. Also, we caught. We also did not cover Jerry Krause. This week's the two episodes are about Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson. I, those are the two people that we followed the most, besides from Michael Jordan in the documentary. And the things I learned about Dennis Rodman. The things I learned. First of all, can we know that Dennis Rodman is a sniper? That nigga is a sniper. That nigga. That nigga fucked Carmen Electra and Madonna. Who the fuck knew that this nigga had Madonna and, Electra, and Carmen Electra, all in like the matter of like five years? Like this nigga is a stone cold sniper. Like this nigga's up there. Like he up there with like Trey Songz and shit. Like he up there when it comes like fucking bitches. Like he don't he don't fuck some few. He don't fuck the Dom. He ain't, he don't fuck the Dom or two. Granted, they're white women, but you know he's a he's a professional ball player. That's what they do. They fuck white women. Like I don't know what you expect. I think that's well. Who hasn't like who hasn't a Madonna fucked? Like I feel like Madonna is fucked like everybody. Like Madonna, she's fucked a lot of people. That's I'm not slut shaming at all. That's not don't get that don't get that don't get it confused. I'm not slut shaming her. I'm just saying like that pussy got some mileage. Like Madonna's the same guy that same guy the same woman that kissed Drake on stage and Drake immediately wiped his mouth of that funk. He said, "Now nah, let me get this shit out of here. I'm not I'm not living with that on my conscience." Nigga said, "I'm cool. Fuck that." And I don't blame him for it. It's fucking, it's Madonna. Madonna, <laughs> Madonna was sucking Dennis Rodman's dick. Like, I don't kiss him on my mouth, bitch. Dennis Rodman 100% has a piercing on his dick. He 100% has a dick piercing. That man has too many piercings. But um, the Dennis Rodman episode was episode one, and it started, it led into episode two. So Morrison told the story of how Dennis Rodman got kicked out of his parents' house when he was like 16, 17, 18, around that age. And he was hanging with dope boys. He said, I don't know how I didn't wind up doing drugs or how I wound up like being in the street selling drugs. He said, I don't know how I did that, but I would be with my homeboys. They would do that in the morning and I would just go to the gym. I would just stay in the gym all day and I would rinse and repeat. I would come home and the same shit would happen. So that's, I think that's a, that takes strong will from him to be like, nah, bro, this is who I am. Like I know who I am and, I'm not the guy that want to do drugs. So shout out to him for, like, having that, you know, having that in him to say, fuck that. Dennis Rodman, just like Scottie Pippen, went to another small school. Very small school. So I want to say, like, as much as shit as uh, Jerry Krause got in that first episode, he's a great talent evaluator. He is a great evaluator of talent. Even though, even though even though like Dennis Rodman wasn't drafted to the Bulls he was drafted to the, to the Pistons but once he played after his run with the Pistons was over he went to the Spurs and he was he was a he was a liability he was a hothead he was he, he he got a lot of technicals he wasn't he wasn't the player that they thought could fit the Bulls mold until one of the assistants on the Bulls was like yo I think if we bring him here without culture it can work and Jerry Krause was like no I think fuck it let's do it and they did it and it worked and it worked, so hats off to Jerry Krause because he gets a lot of shit in his documentary, but he actually is a great evaluator of talent and what people can add to his basketball team. Because I think if you ask like a lot of people, I don't know, I don't know this for a fact because like I said, I was born in 1987, but I don't. I think a lot of people at that time kind of writ, from what the doc is telling, me, people started to write off oh, Dennis Rodman as like this crazy kooky guy. Like he wasn't, like he wasn't the guy anymore. Like, he was past his prom, and he was more of a troublemaker. He was more of a nuisance. He was more of a distraction than a good basketball player at this time. So that's that's Dennis Rodman. The cool thing about Dennis Rodman is, though, Dennis Rodman don't give a fuck. Like we, we Like, I know the stories of Dennis Rodman. I know the stories of the Dennis Rodman. But the story that they told in the documentary of Dennis Rodman needed to take a vacation in the middle of the NBA season. Let me set this up. So, Scottie Pippen, like, like, like in episode two, which was the Scottie Pippen episode, Scottie Pippen, he was out due to injury. He was out due to injury. And when Scottie Pippen was out due to injury, um, Michael Jordan started to rely more on Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman became the number two player on the team, and that made him feel more important. Like, he was he was more engaged in the games. As, as Michael Jordan would say, he was always there. Like, he was always there. Like, he wasn't there sometimes, but he was always there mentally. Like, he was ready to work at all times. But Scottie Pippen was out, and Dennis Rodman, he took up the role of being the number two player on the team, and he reveled in that role. Like, he was having fun. But then, once uh, Scottie Pippen got healthy, there's a line uh, Rodman says. He says, well, once... Once Pippen got back, it was the three amigos, and I felt like the third wheel. He felt like he was third willing, And because of that, he said he needed a vacation. He needed to just go away and clear his mind. So Phil Jackson brings in Michael Jordan to the office, and he says, yo, I need to leave. Like, he said, he, he said, Rodman needs to leave. Rodman, like, what you mean? Like he, 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 he need to take a vacation. And Jordan says, if you let Rodman leave, he won't come back. And Phil Jackson says, yo, can you be back in 40 hours? Nigga say, yeah, I can be back in 40 hours. This, they allowed this nigga to, to leave in the middle of the season for 48 hours. Two days, for two days of the NBA season, he was not a part of the basketball team. For two days, this nigga went to Las Vegas and party. That two days turned into, I think, about three in, in, in the doc, maybe three or four. He was just gone for three or four days. This nigga was in Las Vegas fucking Carmen Electra just getting drunk every fucking night. Every night, this is what he did. Just went out and got drunk and had the time of his fucking life. This nigga Dennis Rodman is the GOAT. He's the GOAT. Because, like, imagine, imagine, a, a, like, think about in today's internet era where everybody got a uh, a camera on the back of the phone. Imagine, let's say, I don't know, fucking Donovan Mitchell or somebody. Like, I don't know, let's say f- fucking... Any take any NBA player. Let's take Draymond Green or somebody. Just take a high-profile NBA player that people know. He's highly recognizable. Let's take somebody like that, and let's say he just goes to fucking. He just leaves the team and goes to Las Vegas for fucking four days, three days. You think there's not and It won't be. It's going to be a different video of the, on the internet of him every hour. Like somebody's going to see him and take a video every fucking hour. Every hour is going to happen. But because it's the 90s, nobody gave a fuck. It was like, oh, Dennis Rodman's here. Fuck it. And Carmen Electra was his girlfriend at that time. Nigga was fucking Carmen Electra. She was out there partying. She, her, her excuse was, I didn't know the schedule of, like, the NBA. Like, I, I didn't know what the Bulls' schedule was at the time. So she just thought that he had, like, some time off. And he was, was like, able to party now. But nah, a nigga requested time off from the Bulls. I think that's a a testament to how much the Bulls believed in their players. Like... Because you go back to episode one where Jordan hurt his foot and he went to UNC and he was just, and they allowed him to go to UNC to rehab. Now, granted he went down there and he started playing like four core basketball games when he shouldn't have, but the fact that they allowed him to be like, nah, fuck it, go have fun. It's like, like, no, I don't think NBA team could do that now. I think that, the fear of like somebody seeing them would scare them. I think the fear of like, what if you get hurt? The backlash for the media, the backlash from the fans. I think would deter an NBA team from actually allowing a player, uh, allowing a player to do that in in inside today's climate. But in in the early nineties, nobody they didn't give a fuck. Apparently, they was like, fuck it, go have fun, go do what you want to do. Dennis Rodman, the worm, may have created. He created load management. Like he created load management. He w- like I, I love the talk of the NBA of like how today's like today nowadays today's players are too soft. Too soft. Especially cause this was the episode where they talked about the bad boy pistons and how Jordan had to get over the bad boy pistons. And you see a lot of those battles of like guys like when Jordan goes to the rim, they just fucking bodying him. They just bodying him, which I'm gonna get to in a second. Like they're just bodying Michael Jordan when he gets to the rim. But you look at, like, Jordan, who had to take a month off because his foot. Even though he didn't want to, they still made him take a month off. And then they brought him back on a minute restriction, which is the thing that a lot of – Joel, Joel B was on a minute restriction after he got his foot injury. Niggas caught him soft for that. Like, he was on a minute restrictions. Like, fucking Dennis Rodman credit low management. He said, I need to take a load off. I am going to Las Vegas. And Phil Jackson, the head coach, said, okay, fuck it. Like, (laughs) Just said, fine, let it happen. And he did it. Granted, he was gone for a little longer. I think the coolest part about him being gone for a little longer is that, because he was with Carmen Lux when he went out they woke up. And Michael Jordan was in a doc, and a doc, he was like, he's like, now, he was he was laid in bed with somebody. Mike was like, "I'm not gonna say who he was laid in bed with." But then a doc immediately <laughs> uh, pivots to fucking Carmen Election telling her side of the story. Like, I was in I was in a hotel room with him. Like, Jordan just be snitching. That's not, Jordan snitches a lot in his doc. He just be telling her everybody. Like, he would be airing out everybody' dirty laundry. Like, fuck it. Like, I don't like you niggas anyway. That's how, I, that's, how that's how I think I Jordan see these niggas. Like, fuck you. <laughs> it's so funny to watch this doc though. It's so funny to watch this doc. This doc is very entertaining. Another thing I noticed is Michael Jordan still wants to smoke with Isaiah Thomas. Now, I've heard this story before. I've heard the story of after, I believe it was the 1989-1990, one of those, the 1991, that was the 1991 Eastern Conference Finals. where Because cause, cause 89 and 90, the two years before, the Bulls were knocked out of the playoffs by the Pistons that was the hump that Jordan had to get over. He he had to get over the hump of beating the Pistons. Like he couldn't get over the Pistons for 2 years. He couldn't get over them because he was too he wasn't strong enough. So after the 1990 loss, right? After, after the after 90 loss, he got into the gym and he and he put I believe they said he put on 15 pounds of muscle. Just pure muscle cuz he said I want to be able to throw my weight around. Y'all not about to just keep busting me on my ass every time I go into the air, pushing me off the baseline, double-teaming me and trapping me before I can do it. Like, he said, I'm tired of this bullshit. And Jordan went into the gym and put on 15 pounds of muscle. So the 1991 Eastern Conference Finals, Bulls versus Pistons. The Bulls swept the Pistons 4-0. They swept them niggas 4-0. And after the sweep, the Pistons walked off the floor. Now, this is a story I heard before because I've watched the bad boys Pistons thirty for thirty, and I heard I've heard this story before through that documentary a few years ago, four or five, maybe six years ago now. It was a while ago. I've I've, I've heard this story before, but I never heard the side the side of it from Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan really does not like Isaiah Thomas to this day because of that shit. I, he really think that that was some bitch ass pussy nigga shit. He said the two years before, the two years before when he got when when he got his ass beat, he met them at mid floor. He he met them at midcourt and shook their hands. He shook their hands because that's good sportsmanship. He said no matter how hurt how much it hurt, how much that loss hurt, that's good sportsmanship. And he said that shit hurt it. Like that shit hurt him. But because he's he's a good sport, he said, nah, this is this is how the game is played. The game is played this way. After you take a L, you you shake the hands of uh, of your opponent and you deal with it like that. That's what Michael Jordan did. But he did not he does not respect what the Bulls did. Excuse me. He does not respect what the Pistons did. Now, Isaiah Thomas in the documentary, he says that that's how the torch was passed back in the day. That's how the torch was passed. He said that when, because the, the way it worked in, inside the Eastern Conference was, the Bulls had to get over the Pistons hump to become the top team. And before the Pistons were the top team, they had to get over the hump, which was the Celtics. And once they finally got over that hump, which was the Celtics, when they finally beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals, it was four maybe three years beforehand, um, all the Celtics walked off the court. They didn't shake their hands. They walked off the court. They said "fuck you" and they walked off the court. And I think that's I think when I think when the Pistons lost, I thought I think that they saw it as well. This is what Larry Bird and Kevin McHale did to us, so let's do it to them. One of the, I believe it was John Pax. He said, "I think that's some bitch nigga shit." Because I can vividly remember Kevin McHale shaking Isaiah Thomas' hand at at mid court when they when. When they beat the Celtics and Isaiah said, no, 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 no. That's not what happened. No, no, no. That's not what happened. What happened was Kevin McHale was walking off the court with the rest of the Celtics and he stopped him. He stopped him, grabbed him and shook his hand. And that's, and that's why you got that image. That video of, of, of Isaiah Thomas shaking Kevin McHale's hand at midcourt. Because they was walking off the court. It wasn't like, you know how in sports after a team, after, after a game, the two teams meet up and they shake hands. It wasn't one of those. He was walking off the court, and Isaiah Thomas hawked him down and said, yo, what the fuck is going on? And then got his handshake. Michael Jordan resents Isaiah Thomas to this day. I think if Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas was inside of alley, like a dark alleyway, them niggas is rumbling one-on-one. If the niggas got drunk at a bar together, a fight is breaking out 100%. 100% of fight is happening. Mike don't like that nigga. Mike, Mike even said in the doc that beating the Pistons felt better than winning the championship. Think about that. Winning just the game Winning the series just to play in the conference... Winning the series just to play in the championship felt better than winning the championship to Mike only because it was the hump of he couldn't beat those niggas. And once he finally got a chance to beat those niggas, he, he loved it. I think that speaks to Michael Jordan's competitiveness more than anything. I think it speaks to the, all the stories of him being the most competitive athlete to ever live. Like, not winning a championship... The pinnacle of all sports, the pinnacle of all sports is to be a champion. He says that beating a team that beat him twice felt better than winning a championship. Just because I finally got, I finally beat you. I finally got over that fucking hump. It's like almost like when you play video games and you can't beat a level. You can't beat a level. And you finally beat the level. Being that level, being that one level in that game may feel better than beating the whole game. Because... That one level was the hardest. Like the whole game, the whole season may be hard inside a totality, but this one level, this one series, this one team in particular gave you more trouble than anything else. So once you finally beat it, it feels so great. It feels so amazing. The Pistons walking off still makes my mad to this day. That shit is crazy to me. Another thing I learned in this doc, this nigga Phil Jackson, a hippie. This nigga Phil Jackson is a hippie. He wrote a book in the 70s where he talked about doing acid. Which, come to think of it, like Phil Jackson is the coach that you would expect to do acid. Like His whole offense is, is designed around triangles. He was probably high as shit in the woods one day. It was like, yo, Illuminati. Illuminati rules the world. If I want to be a great basketball coach, I got to create a – <laughs> Illuminati was the world. The Illuminati Seminole is a triangle. If I wanna if I wanna make a basketball team that's gonna rule the world, our offense gotta revolve around a triangle. That's not what happened, of course. Because in a the doc they tell us what happened. There was a guy on the Bulls staff when Doug Collins was the coach. Doug Collins was the coach of the Chicago Bulls between the years of eighty six and eighty nine, right before Jordan got over the hump. He was the coach and there was a guy, what was his name? I wrote it down. A Tex Winner. Tex Winner winner is the true father of the triangle offense. Tex Winner wanted to implement the offense when Doug Collins was the coach. But Doug Collins consistently wanted to draw plays that just got Michael Jordan the ball. Which I'm not mad at him for because Michael Jordan's the best fucking player on the team. But everybody else knew that the team would never be the team would never win championships if Jordan kept winning scoring championships. Like if Jordan was the only player on the team that could put the ball in a hoop, the team would never reach their full potential. And that's why they and that's why Phil Jackson worked so hard on, on learning the triangle. Because Phil Jackson knew that with the talent they had around Michael Jordan, the triangle offense could work. And it worked to perfection. Obviously. Six championships, six rings. So. I I think I think it's interesting one because a lot of people my age, not just my age, I think a lot of people period consider Phil Jackson to be like the father of the triangle offense. Like I don't I don't I don't know much I don't, I know a little bit about basketball I don't know much but I don't think there's like a team in the NBA in in the past decade to run the triangle offense I can't think of one I can't think of a team in the past decade to run the triangle offense maybe the maybe the Carmelo Knicks with uh, Amari might have ran it I think but. There's not there's not been many teams to run the triangle. The last team I can really think of was a Phil Jackson coach team, which was the, the Lakers in the early 2000s, and uh, in late 2000s, those Lakers team ran a, ran the triangle. But those Lakers team was coached by Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson is funny to me because Phil Jackson is just a tall, lanky white dude from Wyoming. Who just so happened to be a great basketball mind. Phil Jackson went to Puerto Rico to coach. He coached. He coached. He coached professional basketball in Puerto Rico. Uh, and, and the crazy parts too got so bad where the mayor of a town shot a referee in the leg. And and tall ass white ass Phil Jackson was down there talking about some namaste. This documentary is. It's, it's so many gems in this documentary. It's so much we can learn. I did a podcast. I don't th- I, well, the podcast comes out after this podcast. Because I already did it, but this one's on a docket beforehand. But I got a podcast coming out the day after this one's dropped. And I talk about how documentaries are, will be the way that we learn in the future. And I think that this documentary is a prime example of that. Because I've learned so much about. a a time period in history i think that it revolves around sports a lot of it yes but it's also teaching you about like a time period the 90s like which was around basketball like basketball and hip-hop rose to its apex in the 90s like those two things coincide so you hear a lot of like hip-hop songs being played during like montages of like jordan duncan and shit like that because those two things coincide with each other like the the rise of Michael Jordan and the rise of hip-hop happened at the same time, and I think that the easiest way to teach a kid about past things in history is through documentaries, is through visual learning, because I've learned so much about that, like now, some of this knowledge may be like useless in like the real world, like not not right now because I'm obviously using it to for a podcast, which will inevitably give me money. But I'm saying that in the real world, it may not be useful. But if we can apply the same tactic of visual learning to, like, I don't know, history. I don't know, literature. These things could work. So I think it's interesting. But my key takeaways from the documentary, my key takeaways for episodes three and four is. Key takeaways. Madonna fucked everybody. Dennis Rodman. Dennis Ryman is a fucking psychopath. Hold it. Hold on. One more thing. One more one more thing. My whole life, we all know the iconic hairstyle where uh the the hair on Dennis Ryman's hair is yellow, but some of it is dyed black. I thought that was cheetah prints. Uh, my whole life I thought I've seen that hairstyle a thousand times. I thought it was cheetah prints. But what I learned in the documentary was apparently it was to signify the number 33 for Scottie Pippen that was he—he he dyed his hair that color. The game Scottie Pippen came back. I didn't know that. That was news to me. That was news to me. So let's add that into like the key things I learned in this documentary. I did not know that those are thirty threes. I thought that was leopard or cheetah print or whatever. Key things: Madonna fucked everybody. Rodman crazy. Those are thirty threes in his hair and not cheetah prints. Phil Jackson's a hippie. And Michael Doran still wants to fight Isaiah Thomas. It's crazy how long beef can last, isn't it? It's crazy how long, like, you can't have beef with another grown man. It's been, like, this documentary is 20, it's, it released 23 years after the, 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 the historical six championship, right? 23 years after that. And I think that uh, that game was played in 91, so 30 years now? 30 years? It's been 30 years. Like and it, yeah, thirty years, thirty year of beef they are going through. Thirty fucking years of beef. I think that's crazy. But yeah, those those are my key takeaways. Um, I cannot wait to next episode. I cannot wait to next episode. I've seen the highlights. Well, like the little. Uh, preview for next episode. Kobe's gonna be in it, so that's gonna be sad. People on Twitter are gonna be so sad about that because we all know the uh, timely passing of Kobe Bryant just happened. Uh, just this, just, just this past February. So we're gonna, you know, Twitter's gonna eat that up. And um, yeah, I can't wait to watch it. This is like I know there's like a crack. Like somebody's already stole like the whole series, and I can binge watch it if I wanted to. Like I, I know I can get it. I can, I, I can get the link. But this gives me something to look forward to. In this quarantine, appointment TV has become important again. Like, nobody was living for appointment TV anymore because we can have things whenever we wanted them. Plus, our lives were so busy before now. Like, everybody was going there, doing this, doing that, doing that, doing that, doing this. But when all of us is at home all day, every day, appointment television doesn't matter anymore because why not make an appointment to watch something at 930 on a Sunday? I have nothing to do tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. I have nothing to do tomorrow. Like, I'm going to be here in my house again. So it's not like I have – it's not like there's pressure on me to get anything done. Employment TV, like I don't know why NBC or ABC auto shows aren't releasing like – they're like – usually they come out with like their, their, uh, their summer lineup of shows or like their fall lineup of shows, whatever lineup they have. I don't know why they just haven't put it out early. Like, I, like if I wasn't as heck, I would have put, put it out now because everybody's at home. Like, now would have been the time if you had a show, if you had a pilot or something that you think might have worked but you don't know yet, now would have been the time to just put it out. Now, granted, the numbers would have been inflated because we all just at home not watch nothing. But if the hype behind it was big enough, maybe word travels. Maybe maybe you got a weird show that you're developing and you don't know if people going to be into it. Now would be the time to put it out. Put it on YouTube, you know? Put, put the trailer on Twitter. Have one of those meme accounts. Pay them a couple hundred dollars to tweet it. You know what I'm saying? Get it and get the content in front of us because now's the time. Now it's, everybody's at home looking for something new to watch. The whole world watched a seven-part documentary about a gay man from Oklahoma and his tigers. We are craving anything at this moment. Anything to keep us occupied would do. So now will be the time to put out the content. Don't hold that shit. Put the content out. But this has been an episode of the, of the This is Why You Should Podcast. Now, I'm a potty mouse, fast growing podcast, and history of podcasts. I have been your host, Dom Sharp. There are two things in this world that every human has opinions and assholes. I'm so happy to be an asshole with an opinion. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you for listening to that whole podcast. You are appreciated. You are a gem, and I love you. And if you made it through that whole podcast, do me one more favor. Well, actually, three more favors. Go over to my Instagram page at Listen to This while You Shit. Give us a follow. Go over to our Twitter page. Listen and shit. Give us a follow. And if you had the time left over, if you, only if you had the time, go over to our Apple podcast page and leave us a rating review. Tell us why you like the podcast or why you hate the podcast. Either way, I want to know. Give us a one star or five star. You let us know and tell me why so I can improve based off your review and I can get better. The only way I'm ever going to get better if you tell me why I suck. So thanks for listening.